Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Magnus Carter. You're on the Making More Money for You show. This week is going to be uh, a show that I'm actually very interested in. Uh, as soon as I seen the name come across and uh, I was reached out to by uh, Michaela Johnson, uh, the owner of the company uh, and CEO, uh, the Flying Yacht Company. Michaela, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So much <laughs> going on right now in the planet, but but we're here and we're doing the things. So this is great. Absolutely. Uh, I know we have a lot to talk about in a very short amount of time, so I just want to get right into it. What is the Flying Yacht Company? So what we are offering is actually the opportunity for people to participate in a share-based sale of aircraft. So in other words, it's similar to a fractional or like a timeshare type environment, but you actually own this particular aircraft. So you would be purchasing a share in a particular aircraft that is then your actual airplane that you own with a handful of other people that you know, and you also have pilots who fly the airplane for you. Wow. Okay. So what you're saying is no more TSA, no more baggage checks, no more any of that. And it's just your, how does yeah, it work? Well, actually? Yeah. Well, so, so let me just back up. I mean, that's like the tagline, right? But like, what does this actually mean? So there's a couple of ways that people fly right now. Either they are a pilot and they fly themselves. They own an aircraft that they personally fly. And traditionally, you know, that would be for very small hops. Very few people are licensed in such a way that they could maybe fly their own Gulf Stream somewhere, like as into Hawaii or across the United States. So private pilots would be a local type, you know, flying situation. So I need to fly from maybe Sacramento to San Francisco or something like that, very small. Then you have situations where there's jumbo jets, right? So you're flying on Southwest or Alaskan Airlines or American Airlines, and you're going to Hawaii or you're going across the United States or you're going to Hong Kong, wherever you might be going on a, a jumbo jet or a an international type airline or maybe even this national airline. Those are traditionally 747, 777s, those kinds of aircraft that hold hundreds of people. You're flying with a lot of other people. And then there's... Uh, private ownership of something like a Gulfstream or something to that effect that you're flying maybe from DC over to San Francisco, Washington DC to San Francisco, but you have a pilot that you pay to fly you because you're not a private pilot yourself. You probably really wouldn't want to take on all the added stuff that goes along with flying yourself across the country anyway, in particular, if you're a busy business person, something like that. And then there's charter-based service. So there's, uh, you know, NetJets and those sorts of companies where you buy into a fractional or timeshare type ownership, but you're never on the same airplane twice. Uh, the airplane doesn't stay with you. So sometimes it can be very inconvenient if you're just flying somewhere to have lunch and you want to fly back. Maybe you're flying from Seattle to Los Angeles for business, but you're doing a charter environment. Well, that airplane is already booked from the time that you've landed to go to its next destination. So you buy into a, a charter flight, but it's only taking you there and then the the airplane is going to do something else. With this, it's it's similar to a fractional type ownership where you're purchasing into an aircraft that is your airplane. You own that airplane with a handful of other people. You have your pilot crew that flies it for you, so you don't have to worry about that. But you, you have all the benefits of private aircraft ownership without all the hassles of charter type ownership. So it's a really nice blend of being able to own a share in an aircraft, share the cost of all of aircraft ownership like maintenance and insurance without having to actually buy the entire aircraft yourself. And you still get the benefits of being able to fly here and there wherever you'd like to go without the hassles of maybe dealing with you know, the airplane not waiting for you while you do do whatever it is you're doing for the night and then being able to fly off in the morning or whatnot. The second component of all of this is private 
flight is a lot different than flying on a jumbo liner, flying in, you know, an international aircraft type airplane where you're going through security because you are with hundreds of other people. Mm-hmm. This this type of flying, private general aviation type flying, you know, there's there's a totally separate entrance traditionally to the airport. It it just completely kind of bypasses the the more global or national uh, jumbo liner issues that people have to deal with. Okay. Wow. That's something to actually consider. So how many people actually share an airplane? Is it depending on the size of the airplane and how many people that, and your location or how you plan on using the plane? Uh, Can you go into a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so sometimes, you know, if it's a, a Cessna 414 as example, that's a smaller, more regional type aircraft. So it's most efficient for going from, say, Seattle to Sacramento or Sacramento to Los Angeles. And so it would be based somewhere maybe um, regionally where people could buy into it. And it would be about four to six people, depending on if they wanted to buy as low as a 12.5% share, or some people might want to buy as much as a 75% share. When we start looking at the Gulf Streams, um, you know, there's typically the same, uh, anywhere from a 12.5% share to a 75% share, four to six owners traditionally. Okay. Wow. That's, well, that's good. You have, they have options depending on how, how often you're going to use it and uh, where you're going with it. So that's definitely worth, worth knowing. So why did you start this company? That's a great question. I think, uh, you know, my passion for aviation, I'm, I'm a licensed pilot myself um, and wanting to really expand people's ability to travel in this way without having all the burden and regulations of other types of air travel. For me, um, this particularly became important when, you know, the pandemic started and there were all the lockdowns and all the various regulations pertaining to travel. I just really no longer wanted to participate in, you know, sitting on a plane with 200 other people wearing a mask for however many hours to be frank. Um, You know, it wasn't something that, um, that sounded appealing to me at all. And, you know, obviously there were so many more regulations during that time. It's like, there's a huge market untapped here for people to be able to travel this way. Not unlike how, you know, people used to travel by bus, by Greyhound, and now they take their own cars to travel across the United States. What would you rather do? You know, sit on a bus with 50 other strangers that you don't know, or take your own car and be able to stop where you'd like to stop and get lunch where you'd like to get lunch. Okay. Yeah, there's, uh, I flew a lot during the pandemic. So I, I hated that, that whole thing. Um, but you can only take your mask off to eat something. I'm like, I'm like, it makes no sense. It was very stressful. (laughs) It was incredibly stressful. And, and frankly, it made it not very fun for a lot of people, right? Even if you were going somewhere exciting that you wanted to go to, like maybe a vacation you were excited about, you were going from, let's say somewhere freezing cold in Ohio to, you know, a sunny beach in Florida. By the time you got done with all of the TSA regulations following 9-11 and then got on the airplane and had to sit there and, you know, wear a mask for all that time, it's like, ah, okay, this just really put a a bummer deal on my vacation. Oh, yeah. And constantly under suspect, if you will, just because you bought it because you bought a ticket and you're leaving your home. That's basically what I felt it as anywhere I went and how often I traveled. I was gone pretty much 80% of the time. And I'm sure you as a pilot are, are doing the same. Yeah, I mean, I had the definite benefit of flying myself places. And I think that um, I had a lot of people reaching out to me that were saying, gosh, I so wish that I could be doing that. I so wish I didn't have to deal with all of the stuff just to get from place, you know, from point A to point B kind of a thing. And I, you know, they would say things like, it's so cool that you can fly yourself there, but I would never be a pilot. And so here's all of these, you know, this population of people that don't want to take on the stress and burden of flying themselves. Maybe they even have a little bit of a fear of flying, um, but they don't want to have to, you know, fall prey and victim to kind of the mass population situation either. And so that's really where this this idea kind of came from. Okay. Well, here's I I know the the why you decided to do, but what makes now the the perfect time to do this? 
Oh, I think that people in general are realizing that um, life's too short to be cattle herded and controlled. And um, they certainly want to take advantage of being able to utilize their financial resources in ways that benefit them. Um, you know, this this market is really for the business owner that's traveling quite frequently and um, has the uh, the extra cash to be able to do this. So, you know, if you're flying once a year, this is probably not the this is probably not for you. If you're someone who goes, you know, from Sacramento to Los Angeles one time a year, it, you're spending two hundred dollars on a Southwest flight and just toughing it out for an hour and forty five minutes is probably going to be the most financially sound. But for people that are really looking to, um, you know, invest in, in something that brings them happiness and joy and has a lot of flexibility. And also oftentimes without, you know, legally not saying anything here also can be a great business write-off for them. You know, that's, this is something that makes a lot of sense. Um, why now? why not? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> truly, why not? I think that, you know, there's always, uh, there's always ways to improve. And um, this is something that isn't really that we know of, aside from I have a business partner on the East Coast, but this is something that's not really being done a whole lot yet. So we're excited about that. Um, yes, it took me for when I looked up the flying yacht, I see all these boat pictures. And then you put that little CO after it, the company. Oh, it's like, oh, there it is. This is exactly what I was looking for. So a little confusion on my part, but I, I agree. I, it looks luxurious. And I'm like, I, I want to start now, honestly. Right, right. <laughs> and I think, you know, when we came up with the name, the the Flying Yacht Company, that was, that was kind of the idea is that, you know, you think of a yacht as something that's very exclusive and very elite and something that only a handful of people have access to. And we're kind of creating a situation where, um, multiple people can participate and share costs of a jet or an aircraft that's maybe not a jet, like a Cessna 414 or a 340, and really get to enjoy the benefits. And, you know, our pilots are commercially rated pilots who oftentimes have retired out of the airlines or just no longer want to work for the airlines. So the primary pilots on the West Coast are former American Airlines employees, that sort of thing. So certainly highly skilled pilots that also don't want to be in the kind of rat race of uh, global and international jumbo travel. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense because there's pilots everywhere. Uh, you have people exit. Honestly, you have people exiting the Air Force. You have retirements, people constantly changing. It's hard to figure out what airline is going to be in business tomorrow when you actually book something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly been a lot of changes in the last couple of years. We've seen a lot of stuff with the, even this past winter, what was it with Southwest and all the canceled flights due to the weather. And then we've had some issues pertaining to, you know, shutdowns um, surrounding electronics and avionics and various different things that, you know, the FAA regulates. And that, you know, affects all pilots, no matter who you are and what you fly. But um, certainly, you know, the private air travel industry is very untapped in terms of having people be able to um, fly from place to place and enjoy what air travel is really all about without having to deal with some of these extensive regulations when you're putting 200 and some odd people on an aircraft together. Yeah, 200... Honestly, flying during the pandemic, it was nice because you had that extra that extra room. You know, you're, oh, you feel like a, you feel like a sardine in those things anymore. It's like I swear it's a larger plan, but I'm getting some, everything's getting tighter. Oh yeah, I mean when when you know that type of air travel first arrived, um, it, it, you saw that the flight attendant was somebody who was really there to serve you as a customer, and it was a very luxurious elite experience when it first started. And the you know there was a ton of room between the seats, and now it's be, probably with the cost of fuel, it's become how many people from a weight and balance standpoint can we shove on this aircraft? How many Amazon packages? Can we plug in between every other crevice and corner to make this the most profitable thing on the planet? And, you know, that's something that when you own your own aircraft, you're not having to deal with. Wow. I didn't even think that put that part of it in 
because of they limit you per baggage that you that you're allowed on and until you start paying for that of course um that they would actually outsource to amazon <laughs> i i really never realized yeah, that and, you know fedex and ups and all of those guys are are the main package movers although i think amazon does have their own aircraft at this point as well um which makes sense but but certainly you know the underbelly of that airplane that you're flying in that big jumbo liner is definitely filled with things that need to go from point a to point b that is not just the passenger's luggage fair enough and that's why we don't see everything that comes out. They want you off the plane as soon as possible so you don't see what's coming off the package. <laughs> so that, that kind of makes sense and get you off into to, uh, your other flight because they're usually running a little behind schedule anyway. Uh, yes, picture with this, when you have your own aircraft, right? You pull up to the regional airport, you pull right up to your aircraft, your, you unload your suitcase or someone unloads your suitcase for you directly into your aircraft. And then you get on board and go fly. Wow. That sounds like a dream. It's on my vision board. I swear. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's on there with a couple other uh, publishers I've talked to about this is like, well, well let's do this. <laughs> so it's on there. It's, it's on the things to do. So even though you're just getting started, do you believe that what's your vision for the company? So, so I have a business partner who is doing this exact program already on the East Coast. And so it's not completely brand new. He's been doing it for quite some time. He already has quite a few aircraft in operation. So we're just uh, mimicking it over on the West Coast. My vision for the company is that we would expand in such a way. We're currently um, building a we're currently building a new hangar facility that is um, also going to have that luxurious feel out of where we're flying out of. But hopefully we would have multiple locations across the United States within, you know, three or so years um, where we can serve more people uh, from a regional standpoint. So certainly the Gulf Streams are not a problem, but we don't want to have any what we call dead legging where, you know, an airplane is flying empty to get to a destination. That's just not very wise. So for us, it's really looking at um, expanding in our regional operations into other, you know, hubs. Okay. All right. That that makes sense. That's That's very valuable. You don't want to waste fuel, man hours or maintenance, you know, on something that you're not going to profit from, if you will. Right. Well, and we, we, we certainly wouldn't want the share owners to incur those costs either. So, you know, with, with this program, what's nice is all the owners are local to that particular area. And so they're sharing their cost sharing, um, but there's not a lot of, of wasted expense, which is really nice. Hmm. That's, that's uh, something you don't really hear too much of when when investing in things, <laughs> which is. I think as the roads have gotten more congested, especially in you know populated areas like California, what better way to get from point A to point B than to fly over the congestion? <laughs> the air travel hasn't seen its own increased congestion, but certainly nothing like you know what we would see in terms of Highway Five or Interstate Five, Highway Eighty, et cetera. I mean, you know, trying to get across the state of California, you you used to be able to do it minute for minute, sixty miles an hour. Mm -hmm. for 60 minutes you know kind of a thing not now oh no you're lucky if you get five feet in 10 minutes honestly Just to go from san diego to los angeles right so how <laughs> great to be able to jump in your aircraft and be there in you know a fraction of the time that it would take you to drive oh absolutely i feel the same way i'm on the east coast i'm in the middle of pennsylvania so getting to jersey or virginia or something an hour flight where, where do i sign yeah, Honestly. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, I know it's almost, we're almost out of time because I know you have other engagements and I, I don't want to hold you from them, but I do have two quick questions for you. Um, I've got a few minutes, so I, oh. I was able to push out my one thirty. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's even better. Yeah. Um, one question I do have for you, uh, the knowledge that you have now, what would you go back and tell yourself when you just started even thinking about this? Now, from your knowledge right now, um, to be patient. Patience is is a virtue, and it's not one that I was born with. So <laughs> I want everything to happen yesterday, you know. And, um, and this process takes time. And um, part of what I really kind of strive to do is is um, 
match the right people with the right aircraft based upon what their needs are. And so that takes time. It's, you know, and I think that that's a really important component to this. Um, When I was first learning to fly, uh, I was told time to spare, go by air. So, you know, you have to have a lot of patience in this industry because there's a lot of things that happen like thunderstorms and, and weather is not, cause we have not figured out how to control the weather yet. Now I know that they, they certainly do, but <laughs> effectively, right. And so there's things that are just outside of our control as pilots and in this, in this aviation industry in general, it requires a lot of patience. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I would tell myself is just to be patient. Yeah. Well, that is good advice, no matter what industry you're in or where you're right. at in life. So uh, definitely that's a good keynote to take away. What, um, since we have a couple more minutes yet, uh, what got you into flying? I actually have um, been in the flying world for a long time. So my dad was uh, getting his pilot's license when I was a young girl. Um, I, we, part- we had a local airport that did a lot of really great things for youth. And so I got to go up in a Christian Eagle. For those of you who don't know, it's an acrobatic airplane um, when I was really young. And I really just kind of got to experience the world from a different perspective, which definitely shaped how I saw the world and moved through the world as a young person and into my adulthood. So for me, um, it was this untapped you know, access to this whole world that um, was just exhilarating and beautiful and really, I mean, anytime I fly, it's my therapy. I feel close to God. I feel um, at peace and um, sometimes incredibly anxious depending on the weather (laughs) conditions, but that's good for my personality type. I really thrive in those types of environments. My mom always, um, called me a fainting goat. Uh, so I tend to get really calm when faced with stressful situations, which works well as a pilot. Um, you know, certainly, certainly always learning. And that is, you know, there's always something I take from every flight I've ever done as a life learning lesson, um, either to make me a better pilot and, or to just, you know, make me a better person really. So, I think that one thing that I love about the world of aviation is that uh, there's so many people who are willing to share their knowledge and experience. And this has been true too for this, this particular corporation. I've taken a lot of advice from my business partner, um, partners and you know their experience in what they do and that they do it well and learning from them. So I feel like, you know, as a person, it really aligns well with me and the desire that I have to continue to learn and expand and um, see the world a little differently. Okay. Well, I, I loved flying until I started going underwater. So I can understand where you, how you feel like that when you're all like 10,000 feet in the air. I feel like that, like 90 feet underwater. Oh yeah, you scuba dive then. I, I scuba dive, yes. I love scuba diving. I got my I got my rating to scuba dive when I was in college. I started to learn in Monterey, and they actually had to drag me out of the water because I started hyperventilating, like full blown hyperventilating from all of the kelp, the big uh, sea kelp forest. Yeah. All I could think about was a great white shark just coming around the corner and like chomping on me alive. Cause it's the red triangle there, you know, from yeah. San Francisco to Monterey. And so I, uh, I got drug up onto the lover's point beach in Monterey and was like, okay, I am definitely not getting my, my scuba rating here. Then I booked a ticket to Jamaica and, uh, finished my certification, um, out there and it was amazing i mean the the tropical water and the reef you know and and the the beautiful little colorful fish Mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah this is definitely (laughs) where i need to be i still have not gotten back in cold water as a scuba diver it's just not my gig the all the wetsuits and how you feel like all bulky (laughs) i was like no put me in a bikini or something fun and so I did finish my my PADI certification out there in Jamaica, which was great. I love to snorkel. I love all that, but I don't want to be in cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, surprisingly, in Pennsylvania, that's all I have up here. We They use quarry diving. Yeah, so no. I, I started there, 
and it's like five feet in front of you. I'm like, okay, I can six feet or six to 10 feet. You know, that's a luxury. I'll, I'll take oh, it. <laughs> no. I got to be able to see far. It's funny. I tell people I don't have a fear of heights, but I have a fear of depths. <laughs> <laughs> but what it is, I will say that they did take us um, when I was getting in my cert, they did take us over and uh, a boat wreck. And I, I did missed not that. like that at all. I could not, I, I was so stressed out for the people that were in the boat. I just was so worried for them, even though it was like, you know, <laughs> totally not like my problem. And they've obviously been gone for a long time. I was so worried. I couldn't handle it. Well, honestly, I was in, diving in Jamaica this past year. So I know exactly where you were at. Um, and I missed the day. I, that's the day I took off from diving. And that's the day they went wreck diving over that shit. So yeah, I'm like, like oh, uh, <laughs> they like people seem like submersibles to the Titanic. I'm like, oh no, uh, uh-uh. I would, I would be freaking out about underwater ghosts and who knows what else. <laughs> oh well, um, where was my thought? No, I, they saw a giant eagle ray that day, so oh. I, I was very upset about that. And that's the first one they seen in weeks. That was oh, one of the you missed the cool thing. Yeah. Um, but I got to see a couple sea turtles and whatnot, uh, a lot of fishies, uh, some jellyfish. But the clarity, I couldn't believe how clear it was 60 feet in front of me. I'm like, I don't want to go diving in the cold again. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> You're like, never mind. This is this is where it's at. Yeah. Well, so that's how I feel, too, about flying in, in crap weather, right? In instrument-type conditions. It's mm. just not fun. Like, I would way rather – I mean, I – we use the 414 to go somewhere fast and far and get there and enjoy a vacation or something. But I would way rather be flying in the cub low and slow, <laughs> seeing everything around me. Like that's just the way that I prefer to fly. Oh, I completely understand. But Michaela, we got to take a break. We'll come back for a couple minutes. Uh, we'll still talk a little bit till your time runs out. And uh, everybody, thank you for tuning in. We're going. I have Michaela Johnson with the Flying Yacht Company here, talking about private flights and actually owning shares and and planes. Uh, we're going to take a quick break once again, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We had a wonderful first half with Michaela Johnson of the Flying Yacht Company. If you missed any bit of that conversation and you're interested in learning how you can actually own shares in a private jet where you actually get to dictate when you go and when 
when you fly, when you don't fly. Uh, definitely hit the uh, button later tonight when it goes on streaming. But for right now, Michaela, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we have more time, one thing I, I wanted to get to do is, can you give us a little bit of your background? Because we call it, we totally, you know, what flew right, literally flew right past that um, to get to get to that to, to the uh, meat and potatoes, if you will. So let's go back and let's fill the listeners in on, on you know how the company started. A little bit about yourself. I know we talked a little bit about what got you into flying, but um, let's learn more about you. So I'm kind of one of those people that's forever learning, forever seeking. I get bored easily, so I tend to take on new projects with Gusto and then kind of halfway you know, into them go, wow, how did I manage to take this on while doing all these other things? But I think that that's just entrepreneurs in general, right? That's business-minded people. I mean, we can look at Elon Musk and how many different projects that he has. At some point, I stopped asking myself when I was young, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I started asking myself, what are all the things you want to experience? And that really opened my world to, you know, being a yes person and then also not being afraid to cut bait and run when things weren't fitting anymore. And I think that that's a really important part of just growth mindset in general. So I'm actually a licensed psychotherapist currently in my doctoral program, um, for a PhD. So I, you know, have this whole career in that way. A lot of people know me as a self-help author. I have a couple of best-selling books. Um, one of them is called Growth Mindset. And, um, you know, really have taken this approach that the way that, the way that my life feels fulfilled is by um, learning new things and experiencing all that there is to experience. And then also doing so with being mindful of boundaries and, um, and knowing when too much is too much and being able to say too much is too much. And so for me, this, this kind of open door arrived in, in the world of aviation that again, I am a business person. I'm business minded. I saw potential and I had, the um, ability to be able to invest in this world and and see where it would go. And I've been pleasantly surprised at how well it's doing so rapidly. And I think that, you know, not everything that I've said yes to and everything that I've attempted and tried has had that same effect. There have definitely been things where, you know, it sounded like a cool gig and I was willing to try it out. And then I went, oh, what didn't quite go how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> um, but everything that I've done in my life has definitely been a building block to the foundation of this kind of skyscraper that I've got going. And I think a lot of people get pigeonholed into one area in life and think that, okay, well, this is what I do. I'm a farmer or I'm an accountant or I'm a whatever. And I don't think that we have to be just one thing. I mean, I know that in the world of even Instagram, it's like, oh, you better have one thing that you're doing on your social media and don't do anything else, you know, but we're not that way. We're multifaceted as humans. And, you know, we shouldn't feel that we can't be and experience a lot of different things that the world has to offer. So for me, aviation is one part of who I am, you know, and a psychologist is another part of who I am. And um, I'm also a mom and I have all these other hats that I wear and various different, um, you know, looks that I put on when I go outside. And I think that we all do. Um, and so it's really finding what you enjoy the most and what brings you the most happiness and also what makes the most sense, either financially, physically, emotionally. Okay. Yeah, that definitely, uh, every person's situation is different. And you can't cookie cut anything out for anybody. Right, right. Yeah, we get into trouble when we try to fit into a mold or even try to be someone else. I mean, I think that there are a lot of people that see someone doing something and think, oh, that I'm, I'm going to do that. And they try to copycat it. And, you know, that never works out because it's not your authentic version of who you are. Um, one of the things that you know, my Instagram is full of is really crappy selfies. We actually call it the selfie. Um, and oh, you can curse on here. It's okay. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> you can curse. Um, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the shitty selfie thing. It's like, you know, that's 
we, for some reason, I'm just not very good at that stuff. And the videos and the photos end up looking awful. And, you know, it's kind of become a thing that people like start to look for like, oh gosh, when's she going to post a shitty selfie, you know? And if somebody else tried to copycat that, it, it wouldn't look right. Cause it's not authentic to who they are and what they do. Oh, I agree. I mean, technology, we have a love hate relationship. I, you know, when it works, I love it. When I, when it doesn't work, it hates me, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I work with in IT. So it's like, uh, well, it, just pass it off. It's like, okay, moving on to the next thing, but you're right. We have to actually be able to um, be accountable for what we do and who, who we are and not try to be somebody else. Right. Um, you know, your flying yacht company is, amazing um just in the fact that you had the you saw market you've seen it um you're building it you're also testing it out you're you have partners and whatnot and you're also going through the not really the motions but you're going through the learning process so do you see growing well i'm pretty sure um it will happen is the growing pains do you see that this actually exploding so fast that your your you know your head's going to going to explode. It's like, what am I going to do? You know, I've been really lucky that the business partner who started this on the East coast before me had a, he endured a lot of the growing pains that um, he's been able to kind of shield me from them. But I do anticipate that there are things that we don't foresee. There are things that are going to come up that we're going to have to work through. I mean, you know, one of the things when I was learning to fly, my instructor often said, I'm not looking for perfection, I'm looking for progress. And so, you know, there's there's that kind of component to this of saying, look, it's not going to be perfect, but as long as we're making progress, we can pivot, we can shift, we can do what we need to do to adjust. And I think if we don't take on a mindset that we've got everything figured out and we're nailing it, and we allow some humility and humbleness into our process, let go of our ego a little bit, then then people give a lot of leeway for that. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's something to be taken advantage of, but people will give you a little bit more runway when they know that you're, uh, you're a work in progress just like they are. Okay. No, I, I when someone actually uh, comes out and says that as a business per person and tells everybody else it when some you know it, it it seems to stick a little bit more when your friend tries to tell you something like that you, you, have you noticed that yeah i i tend to invite people into my life that don't have any problem criticizing me so. <laughs> <laughs> um and i have a mom that's probably like the the first on that list of like you need to go change your clothes like <laughs> she uh you know i was kind of raised with that mentality of um I, I'm telling you because I love you, not because I'm trying to be harmful. So I certainly have no shortage of people in my life that are not afraid to, to tell me where I'm lacking. Um, now, the flip side of that is that, you know, I think people that grow up with constructive criticism, whether it's familial or friendships or in business, they probably struggle a little bit more with confidence than they even present. I often have people that meet me in real life that will spend you know, a certain amount of time having coffee or a glass of wine or whatever. And they'll say, wow, you know, on your Instagram, you just, you look like you just don't take any, any bullshit and that you've got everything figured out. And I actually really think I try to show the weakness. I think I try to show the parts that are struggling, um, you know, with caution, I, I have a bullseye mentality in that there are people that are in the center of my target, people that are in the outer circle and people that are in the middle circle and the people that are in the center of the target, you know, I'm more vulnerable with. I, they're, they're my safety, they're my security, they're people that I share the more intimate details of my life with and we should all really take that approach. But I try to be transparent on social media and still I think come across as having it all figured out. I certainly don't have it figured out. Um, I'd like to meet the person who does. I've yet to meet a person who does. <laughs> uh, out of all the shows and the people that I have talked to, uh, very wonderful people, um, just like yourself, is they all came from that background. Honestly, no matter what they're doing in their professional life, every person has something similar but not the same. And it's always wonderful to get someone's 
take on these things because there's someone out there that is going through it. Basically the same thing that you're, you're actually describing, not, you know, uh, maybe not verbatim or it is verbatim, but it, it is good to hear that everything that is a, a challenge can be overcome. Yeah. And I think that people see um, somebody sticking their flag in the top of the mountain without having seen the climb, you know, and uh, I think a lot of people see people's successes and go, oh, wow, look at that. And maybe even show up with jealousy or something and not realize that, you know, they had a hundred failures before they had that success that you saw. And we always use, you know, the Harry Potter example of how many times she was rejected by the publishers before she had one that picked her up. But the truth of the matter is for every success story, for every person that you see absolutely slaying it, they had a whole lot of failures before that. They had a whole lot of nights where they were wondering if they were going to make their rent or pay their, you know, whatever bill that, that was due the next day. Because to get to that, it takes a certain element of risk. And, you know, I like to say that I'm a calculated risk person. I'm certainly not going to be, um, you know, balls out unintentionally dumb about things, but I, I also have to take a certain amount of risk to be able to get to where I want to go. And with risk comes inherent fear and comes, um, you know, the unknowing. And I think that, that's what sets certain people apart from others is being able to take that risk and being willing to go out on a limb and, um, and know that you got to have a plan B and a plan C because sometimes plan A is just not going to work out. I agree to a point with you on that. Uh, I'd rather go full bore on plan A and then, okay, this isn't work. Now it's time to go somewhere else and then come up with plan B. That's my personal thing. I like what you're saying. And I think I agree with you, but where I see people get into a real mess is when they don't have an exit strategy. And I'm not saying we lead with an exit right. strategy, right? We oh, don't know with, I'm going to fail. This isn't going to work out because sure enough, you tell yourself that story, that will be your story. That will be your truth. But Having an exit strategy is, is at least, let's just use in pilot terms since we're talking flying things, right? Absolutely. There's a reason that we have a backup airport. There's a reason that we have, you know, a plan B in the event that our plan A is 36 knot crosswinds or thunderstorms right over the runway. You, you only have so much fuel on board. What's your, what's your backup plan going to be? And what's your plan for the backup plan going to be? Where are you going to put that airplane down in the event that you can't land where you intended to? Um, because all things that go up must come down. That's just Newton's of gravity. <laughs> okay? So, I mean, we don't go with the intention of like, I'm not going to make it to where I'm going. We go with the intention that we're going to land and everything's going to be absolutely fine. And we're going to go about our day, but we have in the back of our mind that plan B. And I think that a, a, a good business strategy is to have that exit strategy, that plan B in the event of a total crisis or emergency. Oh, I, I agree. Uh, definitely agree with you on those topics as well. Uh, I actually was a, a co-writer in a book and I asked, I talked about failure like that. What, when's a good time to find it? You know, okay. How much loss am I going to have? How much is acceptable? How much do I go all the way? Um, where do I go from here? So it, it has to do with more or less life because I'm sure you had, other business adventures before getting into this that you had to do the exact same thinking for. And yeah, I definitely have had my fair share of things that have not panned out, at least not how I planned them to. But to go back to the earlier point, all of these things become part of our experience and part of our foundation and part of what we take to the next thing that we do. You know, it really it's, are you repeating the same mistakes over and over? And, um, are you seeing the lessons in these experiences and being able to apply them as you continue? And I think that's the most important thing. You know, um, I, I just said to my son the other day, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And so you can look at something as, you know, a terminal problem that 
that leads you to this space of depression, or you can take from it what you need to take from it and move on and move forward. And, you know, we can really get stuck in these fear-based impossible um, scenarios when we don't allow ourselves to move through them. Okay. Well, speaking of that, what's a very valuable lesson that helps you launch the Flying Yacht Company? That's a great question. And I feel like that's something I would want to do some justice to and give myself a little bit of thought to process. But I think at the end of the day, um, for me, anytime that we have an opportunity to approach something that gives us a little bit of um, challenge is going to better us. And for me, this was that. This was a little bit outside of my comfort zone, just enough outside of my comfort zone that um, it was going to put me in a situation to take a risk on myself. And the reward and the benefits would be exponential or they'd be catastrophic, but you know, that's a risk I was willing to endure. And I think that that's something that, um, that is, is good to do at times. But I would really, but that's a question that I would really want in advance of an interview. You know, I think sometimes I've been on TV, I don't know, probably a hundred times in the past five years. And every once in a while, somebody tosses me a question that I know I have to answer on the spot, right? But really, these are things where I would say, I don't know, let me get back to you on that. And I think that this is an important thing that people should really take away in general. And I tell this to my clients all the time. You should not, and this is no fault to you, I'm just saying in general, mm -hmm. we should feel empowered to be able to say, that's something important that I wanna digest, I really wanna think about, and I wanna do justice to. And in order for me to do that, I'm going to need to circle back. I'm going to need to get back to you on that. And this is great for couples too, right? Like relationships in general, take time if it sits with you in a way that you feel you need to honor it. And this is a question that I really, I'm going to reflect on far after our interview today and go, you know, hindsight's here's how I'd answer that. Given a little bit of time to digest it and really think about that and do some work with myself, I would probably answer it a little differently than I did today. Okay. Well, how about this? Since uh, you want some time to digest, which I completely understand, um, because this interview has been wonderful, with great content and whatnot, post it on your social and tag me in it. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, so toss me the question one more time, or I can replay it back. Okay. Well, basically, is what lesson from your previous things did you, helped you determine and make you the person that you are today? Okay. That you, that you the lesson you take with you. Okay. I like that. I'm going to digest it and I'm going to really think about that. And I will, I'll post a, I'll post it to my Instagram and tag you in it. Okay. I like I mean, that. I, I, I'm interested. Um, I did start following you in the, um, the flying yacht company. So uh, I'm there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And then the other component to this that I really think is important is, is something that I, uh, just from a business perspective is a good mantra that I've lived by is I reserve the right to change my mind when presented with new information. And I think it's so important for people to know um, we get stuck in this. We have to do this thing. Otherwise we're a failure. Or otherwise we're going to let people down or otherwise we're a hypocrite. And I think that the most important mantra is reserve the right to change your mind when presented with new information. And, and this especially goes for, you know, pilots that might be listening listening to this because I do have a lot of pilots that that follow um you know if you're if you're going from point A to point B and point B is not looking great you've got new information do something different pivot change do something different don't feel committed or stuck to what you originally signed up for just because you originally signed up for it that's true for business that's true for relationships that's true for everything Wow, that's that's now that I'm gonna take some time to digest that tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that is more than fair. <laughs> that's that's a whole plethora of information right there uh, that anybody and everybody can use, and that's one reason. This is one reason why uh, when I have guests on the show, I, I love these conversations because it spawns this and it spawns wonderful content. It it makes both of us think about things and it, all of this actually um 
relates to making money. Yeah. Everything that we are talking about relates to how we use money, how we spend it, how we uh, how we make our choices, and also life in general, and not just about money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that uh, this ties into that being an ever learner, right? So if we're always open to learning new things, and we're always open to receiving new information, then we can reserve the right to change our mind when presented with it. If we're closed off to even taking in new information, we get ourselves into a sticky situation. And I think that ties into what we were talking about earlier about <laughs> criticism and people's advice or, you know, being able to receive it. And I'm certainly not one who receives a ton. And this is something I like to caution people to, um, you know, criticism and compliments are the exact same on the spectrum. So they, they both need to have discernment, right? So a compliment and a criticism, take them both as something you need to discern and decide whether it's beneficial to you or not. Okay. Wow. That is very awesome advice. We're at the sh close of the show, Michaela. <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, how, now, how can our the listeners here and all over the world that's listening to this, uh, now or in the future, get a hold of you and find out more about you and the Flying Yacht Company. Yeah, send me an email today. Hello at flyingyachtcompany.com. Hello at flyingyachtcompany.com or visit our website. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Michaela, it has been a wonderful um, show with you. I'm not going to lie. Uh, learning about you and the company. Uh, thank you for your time. And uh, this is the show for the day, uh, for this week, guys. Uh, I know St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Be safe out there. Don't drink too much of the green beer. Um, if you do, get a designated driver or a designated pilot, um, either which way, depending on where you're going. And uh, next week, we're going to come back and talk with uh, angel investors. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.